Chapter 6 Love Fields In the dream there was a kind of eternal flame, the image I have of the one lit for the Olympics. People were building a glass structure, pyramid-shaped, all around it. Once completed, it felt protected. And then, almost in a timeless way, a man appears on the outside of it in full commando gear. He shoots through it, shattering the glass. I rise up in defense, actually aiming a weapon at him, and wake abruptly. Soon back to sleep, I am riding along with others in some kind of a world-class situation. When time is up, I'm just finishing, and the papers are all mixed up together, hardly worthy of a presentation. And then we are each asked to read them. I feel less than ready, not even having read it through once. They, whoever they are, is unclear. They have not yet called on me. And then the field changes. I am taking a step down a seeming stairwell of some sort, only to discover there is no step below. My body jerks as it would do, and I am conscious of it moving, my whole body in the bed. Only instead of falling, it releases a shot of energy that travels through my whole being, waking me once again. There is no step I see I can take right now, at this time. It is hard to see the future, for me a clear picture of what's next. I am part of an alliance called Defend the Sacred, and as was clear in the dream, my way to be with the attack of the sacred fire was truly limited. More weapons in response? Really? As a response, more war? I have said recently, we are in a war of worldviews, and I doubt there will be a winner of such. Perhaps a third will emerge. I am now on San Juan Island, home to a mix of Americans who fought the British here, long after the fight with Salish Coast peoples, the Lumni or Lumni tribe. Others had peacefully been settled here. The waterways are home as well to the few remaining orcas who are now searching for salmon. Yesterday, our neighbors told us that the local grocery store had been invaded by anti-vaxxers, people who entered not wearing masks to make a statement to protest the mandates impinging on their freedom. Others were offended, frightened by such a defiance of the law for what was deemed to be public safety, and what most here believe is some accurate science. Masks and vaccines do seem to protect one from COVID virus. The store owner apparently has forbidden any of these people to shop at his stores ever again for food. Wow. He apparently owns the only two grocery stores on the island. Protesters, one a local fisherman, will likely be looking for salmon now, as well as the orcas.
Two stories or experiences come to my mind heart as I sit in the middle of this one. I once went for four days to be in a ceremonial time on what many considered sacred land in Crestone, Colorado. I rented a rent a wreck vehicle to get there, and I had the permission from the land steward there, a guide and martial arts master, to be off in that way, to pray there, seeking any guidance in what was then my focus a challenging campaign against haphazard burial of nuclear waste. Rather than a complete fast or water only, I decided to take four apples. I left a tangerine and a Reese's peanut butter cup for my breakfast in the car, curious which medicine I might choose upon return. With some rainy cold weather and my continuing health challenges, I took along a tent and a rope to tie my apples in a tree. I found a perfect place to be and happily settled in. Next morning, I woke to a rustling outside. Actually, it was inside my front rain fly. I unzipped it quickly to meet face-to-face a bear wrestling with the caps of my water bottles. Without a thought, buck naked, I shouted and jumped up and out, all in one motion. How dare you take my water? Go, get out of here. And so he ran, as I chased him a few yards, until I came to my senses, one might say. What a reaction, thinking about it now. Not one I had ever read in any wilderness guide manual. Get small, perhaps. Stay calm, back away. Yet here I accessed in the moment an aggressive counterattack. It took some time for my adrenaline to settle. That day I made my safety vow again and double-checked my rope setup I had learned from a drawing in a book. I happily feasted on one of my apples. Over the next two days, the bear returned, Now staying clear of my tent, he focused on those apples, tugging on that rope, getting a little closer to them each time. And I, well, without quite as much chutzpah, perhaps, as the first time, I still came up with the energy to chase him off. When day five came, I closed out my time in gratitude, reflecting on the many thoughts, activities, and prayers that had come. The encounter daily with the bear, however, clearly dominated my story time. I felt kind of courageous, confident, strong, even powerful in my stance of protecting for me what was sacred, my water and those four apples. Leaving no trace, I packed up and walked the two or so miles back to where my renorec was parked. Once there, Ready for my reward, I soon discovered I had not actually won in my battle with the bear. My rear car window was smashed, and both the nectarine and the Reese's cup long gone. Now I'll leave to you as listener the lesson or moral or medicine of this story. For me, I can only say it stays with me today as does that clever, persistent bear. 
Now, all of these years later in California, I am blessed to be invited to the bear dances here, led by a Paiute Numu man and his California native partner, a ceremony where an even closer encounter with bear medicine can be experienced. Nuclear waste, for sure, continues to be an issue of great concern. My health continues to be a challenge. And with that, the prayers and songs in this bear ceremony, they offer a kind of persevering energy, hard to name or explain. The best I can describe it, it is a kind of love field that is created or arrived at, or perhaps simply entered into. It is this I experienced when I first met dolphins in the wild, and it is this I experienced in a stone people lodge. It is this experience when I lay in wind's arms, call a healing circle, or sit in the depths of counsel. As much as we are able to continue, to co-create, to, yes, sustain such love fields, I, I find that I have some kind of faith in my future, in a future. These are the experiences I am called to respond to, to co-create, to be part of, to give my time and energy to. As I sense, yes, they too are acupuncture points for me, for others, for this earth. Watering holes, healing biotopes. As I cannot quite choose who is right or who is wrong at the island supermarket, I do know that this small, idyllic island will not escape the war at large. I continue to ask others and carry my own curiosity at who I, who we will become when under increasing stress. It seems both extremes continue to show up in the hospitals and in the war zones, either more aggression and counterattacks or more love, listening, and care. And then, of course, there's the in-between, the numbness, the inability to really even to speak. I have traveled in all of these territorial responses, and as in my dream, I'm unsure of any next step. I'm writing, walking, praying to finish as in the desert before the time is up that they have given us, whoever they are. My time, our time, human time. The other story of a close encounter surfaced here the other day when with friends, the night that Jim Nolman, who I have traveled with over the years in interspecies communication fields, asked me about a time we visited Arnold Newman, a rainforest protector. We went to see him in his L.A. suburban home. Jim remembered the house well, being that it was a kind of museum for fossils and skeletons, including one of an Ursula cave bear, towering over the front entrance. Arnold was another turnaround story. He had spent years collecting in the world's rainforest for zoos, museums, and the likes. And then, one day, he woke up, hopefully like many more of us, and asked, 
What are we doing? Collecting, cutting, destroying these essential spectacular trees and species in biodiverse regions on Earth. He soon after created an NGO to save such, and we traveled to the USSR to offer seminars and co-publish his book, to join together across our governmental differences to protect the sacred. Now that is a good news story for sure, but not the one I usually share about visiting Arnold's home. Though by now I felt most everyone has heard it, Jim hadn't been there the night that I met Arnold's crocodile. And so the memory came. Hard to believe, but true, that Arnold had collected Gertrude, my chosen name for story's sake, when she was a baby and brought her home to L.A. She, with love and care, had become, according to Arnold, a wonderful pet living in a comfortable backyard caged habitat. Arnold invited me to go inside and meet her, which I cautiously, with great curiosity, of course, said yes to. I made a gentle acquaintance up close on the ground, lying together, seeing that she was now quite larger than I when laid out. Well, Arnold suggested I carry on, that she often liked the bottom of her feet rubbed. As I was now in kind of a trust trance, I followed Arnold's invitation. Perhaps, well, it was maybe just not the right time or massage pressure, but Gertie's response was right out of the movies for me. The only place I had seen a croc turn its head at lightning speed, opening that huge jaw and making an intense, loud, rasping sound that only a croc can make right in my face. My response, when under seeming threat, was freeze. An utter stillness and kind of surreal calmness came over or through me. One could say I held my ground, but there was no such thought in my head. I simply was there, and in that moment there was a meeting. I am not sure that I can call it a love field exactly, but Gertie blinked her eyes, I clearly remember, and put her head back down on the ground. Not very long after, minutes or a couple of lifetimes, I got up slowly and left the pen. Arnold now, he assured me once I was out, or some might say safe, that she would never have harmed me. Perhaps she was just having a bad day or something like that. Whatever her or Arnold's story was, I had mine. I had experienced another kind of response when under seemingly an attack, a highly stressful moment. How would that experience in my response possibly serve me or others in the future? So that story returns to me now as I tread water and do not move with some of the life decisions we have until there's more of a knowing. It is not a comfortable time for me or many truly being in the age we are in 
in our bodies and in this world. As one who has spent much of my life focused on the care of others, that task ahead with climate crisis seems even more overwhelming, as does nuclear waste. It is not easy to live into the Buddhist vow to relieve suffering. And I know as I simply attempt to do it whatever ways I can, it's not about the outcome or even making a for sure difference. It simply is what is to be done. The blessing is that in the response, most times I am healthier as well. Up to a point, for now, just to tend the various pains and ailments I personally have, it seems the day is almost over. So even more, perhaps, I continue to learn in my body, heart, and mind to realize truly the interdependent nature of all of us beings. As I choose to stop and stand still at some essential times, I want people to know, I want to remind myself that I am still responding. As I focus on my own care, it is within the prayer and part of the care for others in this world. That is another love field I'm looking to co-create. The fire I hope to kindle and keep alive just a bit longer. I return to the island here, wondering if this is a small island, some island I have always longed to live on, to be surrounded, held, guided, and informed over and over again by the water. It seems I'm ever seeking the womb, and as my legs give out on me after years of injuries, I know I'll do better and live longer if I am able to be in the water. So many other things need to fall into place, however, for that to happen. It's all in the TBR, to be revealed category. But our astrologer ensures me that it will happen. It's written in the stars. And so I'll stay in a close encounter with them to see what is true to be. Here on San Juan Island, even this idyllic place, there are the battles as everywhere, as well as the love within the community. Perhaps most important, there is nature, predominant, beauty to nourish. The water is mostly too cold to be in for more than minutes, yet sometimes that's all it takes. The fires, now not far from three creeks as the crow flies, are threatening the lives of the oldest and largest sequoias. And here, this morning here on the island, the neighbor had their chainsaw going bright and early. They are apparently being sued for clear-cutting far more than what is permitted, so as to have a better view, I imagine. The war of the world views. I rest my case. It is everywhere. We want protection from the virus, if not from the government, from the toxicity of the fires, from the greed, the ignorance, the anger, and the violence. What response will arise in you?
in me, in our world, as we listen, ask for, and live into ways to protect the sacred, ways of showing up with compassion and love. The privilege truly I have is to be current, current with my relations, my work, my health, my story, my love. And in being so and daring to share it, I can let go and take that step into the unknown, into the current. No step to land on, but a way to be in the river of destiny and life. Will there be a complete breakdown, an end to a system or a worldview of progress, an end to a civilization or an entire species? May you, may we, as much as is possible, be current in your, in our relations. And as Rumi writes, out there in the field, the field of love, may we meet there.